The Velvet Hammer, an inside look at trial lawyer life with Karen Kohler. Real life stories about fighting the good fight. So go ahead and read this transcript. Question. Now, if you could go down, scroll down, how did you decide what items to deduct? In other words, what was the reason for deducting items out of the life care plan? Answer. It was based on what was communicated to me that Dr. Pendleton had said were items that were not necessary. Question. Okay, Dr. Pendleton or a physician that Dr. Pendleton relied on? Answer. I don't recall. I thought it was actually Dr. Pendleton. Question. Okay, and to arrive, what was the number that you ultimately arrived at here? Answer. The present value of these items that would be excluded is $118,000 is the number on the far right to the present value. Okay, so was that Scott asking those questions of his own witness? Yes. Yeah, so this is Scott Wakefield, attorney for Ride the De second attorney for Ride the Dex International. And as they're saying this, of course, in my head, I'm going, what a bunch of darks, because there is no such thing as a Dr. Pendleton. Pendleton is not a doctor. Did you have my transcript where I roasted him over that? Yeah, I do. Do you want me to actually read you, Karen? I Just that little bit. That. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. By Ms. Kohler. Question. You referenced, so as, well, are you an economist or an appraiser? What's the right answer? Oh, wait. This is after I skewered him for being basically not an expert witness. Not, well, he had a, he had a bachelor's degree. He didn't even have, he wasn't a PhD level. He wasn't. He wasn't anything. Yeah. Oops. We said it. <laughs> okay. Answer. We can say economist question. Okay. So what's the difference between a BA economist and a PhD economist? Are you both, do we call you both economists? Answer. If you want to <laughs> question. All right. Well, in your analysis as an economist, you stated with respect to Ms. Cooley that you relied upon Dr. Pendleton to review information so that you could decide which of the life care plan items should or should not be allowed. Do you remember that testimony? Answer, yes. Question, but that's not a doctor, is it? Dr. Pendleton is no such person. Am I right? Answer, I don't recall. I did not speak to them specifically. It was related to me. Question, Miss <laughs> Pendleton is actually a nurse, right? Answer, again, I don't know. I did not speak to them personally. Question, don't you think it's important when you're coming into court to testify in front of a jury about what they should award for the rest of a life of someone, somebody that's been pretty catastrophically injured in a crash to find out who you're getting your information from? Answer, it was my understanding that the individual was qualified to make that opinion as to what was necessary or not, the life care planner. Miss Kohler question in your experience as an economist would you know who you're relying on should you know who you're relying on upon and their credentials answer yes I mean it's going to be a factor in how I would approach the information received oops mm. all right um what is the next one I can't even read my own handwriting oh monologues okay so we did accuse the defend the defendants of trying to of being really weird about those of our clients who were gay. Um, 
And oh, you mean like uh, being around Amish people? And well, being the gay. being around Amish people, and but there was so many more instances of this um, where they were trying to, I don't even know what they're trying to do because we are in the land of Seattle and uh, that, that, shouldn't, that shouldn't do anything to anybody. No one's going to be mad at someone because they're gay. Like that's, it's so ridiculous. Um, and yet they were focused on uh, just trying to make some of these people look bad or to go down weird little rabbit holes, trying to get stuff in that they thought the jury would be mad at them, mad, mad at our clients about like, oh, they're, you know, they, well, this is, this is one such story. She did this and so therefore she must be bad. So go ahead. Question. You mentioned that Miss Din was involved in some school activities. Hold on one second. Do you want to tell more about the witness, who who this witness was? Well, this is the most seriously injured person who lived through the crash. But this particular witness, and this her host is mother. her host mother, who the defense was complaining about because um, some of the jurors actually had to wipe tears during this testimony. And she's a lawyer. She is a lawyer. Question. You mentioned that Miss Din was involved in some school activities at North Seattle College. Is that correct? Answer. Activities? Question. Yes. Answer. She has a job, paying job there. Yes. Question. And I understand that she is in a play production that the drama department put on. Is that correct? Answer. Yes. She was in a production. She stood up and it was a they read a speech out of a notebook. Each of the actors got up on the stage, walked on, and read a speech out of the notebook. Question. What was the name of the play? Okay, wait a minute. What movie made you want to come to the United States? Mm -hmm. All I know about the Amish people is what I see in the movies. And now they, being Scott Wakefield, wants to know what the name of Pat, was it Pat? Mm -hmm. That's my recollection. I thought it was Scott. Who is it, Jessica? I don't know. They're, we're going to call him Scat. <laughs> <laughs> like poop? No, like that's the, the combined name. <laughs> but that's <laughs> poop. Oh, it is? Yes. <laughs> oh, well. well I, I mean, can't... it's a good nickname. Okay. I say go with it. <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, so, oh, yeah, it might, it might have been. But it doesn't care. We're going to call him Scat. Anyway, um what does it matter what the name of the play is that this young 18-year-old at the time injured, who almost died person, was in at their school? What's the relevance of that? None. Jessica, any relevance? None. Does the host mom know the name of the, of the play? Yes. Does she suspect that she knows why they're asking about the name of the play? Yes. Is she ticked off at them when she gives this answer? Oh, yeah. Because what are they trying to do with the name of this play? Weaponize Out it. Out our client. Yeah. Like, what the heck? Yeah. Okay. Tell, so, continue. Okay. Question. What was the name of the play? Answer. Why do you ask? Question. I just want to, wanted to know. Answer. It's a play that's been put on by... It was a fundraiser for Sexual Assault Victim Support Center, and the play is called The Vagina Monologues. Okay, they wanted her to say the word vagina in court so badly that they had to ask all those questions to make this witness say that. Because why? 
What what's the relevant? What was the possible relevance of this kind of stuff? To inflame some any person they can on the jury. Who's gonna get inflamed over something like that? Well, here I I don't think anyone. So by now the jury consultants have gone home because months have gone by and they've given up. Um, and I I do want to say that. Let's go back. What is the purpose of cross-examination? To clarify testimony or to impeach testimony. All right. What did the vagina monologue say to any of that? Uh, it literally had nothing to do with anything. And of all the things that we have on this list, this is the one that infuriates me the most because it was so utterly baseless. And she kept having to dig because the witness was like, why do you want to know? She knew, the witness knew exactly why. And it was so inappropriate. And she looked as angry as I think many of us were. And who looked dumb at the end of this? Uh, the defense. So what lessons at this point, we have one more series, but what lessons can we take away from much of this cross-examination at this point? From this particular one? All of it. Oh, boy. How about if you don't have a good question, don't try to make up one. B, how about when you're doing cross-examination, have a reason for doing it that's maybe even legitimate. And C, if you're going to do cross-examination, we go back to my rule. Do a good one. These kind of attacks are just little, little, little pieces of, of a very long process. And, um, you know, trial is a battle. And we get that. But especially when a client is fault-free, when a plaintiff is fault-free, like they have no responsibility for what happened and you're only looking at them to explain what happened to them and how badly they were impacted, you need to have some better questions than the ones that we just read to you. I would go further. I mean, I, you need to not be playing on, on the biases and the prejudices that you hope are within the, 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 the jury and that we're, in this case, we're not there. And, and I just, the, the thing is too, these people came from all over the world. They didn't understand our system and they waited three and a half years through a whole lot of BS to finally have their day in court. And on cross-examination, they're asked about skateboarding, about movies, about the Amish people and about the vagina monologues. It's insulting to the process and it's insulting to them. Okay, but this is a podcast. So we have to also have some funny. We things. have to have something funny too. Okay. I thought this was funny also. It was horrifyingly funny. It was, even when it was happening, sometimes we would just be like laughing in horror later, like what the hell just happened? Mm. There were some other good things that happened though too. I mean, that weren't even in trial. Like one of the, one of the attorneys there tried to touch the scars on one of my client's legs <laughs> and I hit her hand away. Yeah, that did happen too. I mean, well, how did you know they were dead if you didn't touch them, right? That's the, the takeaway. I'm being facetious right now. Uh, <laughs> um, would they have been better just not asking any questions? I, I, I don't know about that. In some cases, yes. Yeah, I think so. Their, like I said, their jury, their jury consultants had abandoned them. Initially, they didn't hardly ask any questions. Mm -hmm. I mean, Tad asked a stupid skateboard question, but no one else had asked questions. And uh, 
they, they were kind of quiet. And then they started to realize like, oh, we got to do something. And they started asking some questions. How about the questions of, you know, someone tell, you know, you've heard this terrible story about what happened to someone. And then the questions are stuff like, so you're in school and you're doing well. And, um, <laughs> You only missed two years. You're gonna graduate in, you know, do you think you're gonna graduate? And, um, oh, you're able to go on vacation. You look like you're smiling in this picture. Um, how do those questions come across? Uh, scraping the bottom of the barrel. I mean, if, you're, if your cross is on somebody's successes in life, that's, that's a problem. Why are you even asking them? Exactly. It looks worse than it, anything at Keynes. Because it's so, if the plaintiff wanted to have been asked that, if that was going to be a good thing to ask, the plaintiff lawyer would have asked it by you asking the questions that, because you're the one that caused, your clients are the one that caused this. So when you start asking questions about how good they're doing, it just looks overtly manipulative, in my opinion. I agree. How dumb do you think the jury is? 101. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about those few questions uh, or those few instances when they realized, especially near the end, that their cross-examination was failing woefully and that they, they didn't know what to do to a couple of the witnesses. Then they started a whole new pattern of behavior. Jessica? The court, let me introduce you first to Mr. Wakefield from Ride the Ducks International. So this is after somebody had testified. Yeah. Do you remember even yeah, this was? was the Kim family. Oh, so this is a Kim family from Korea. It was the um, grandparents, the daughter, and... Uh, no, the parents of Hara. Oh, that Kim family. We had several Kim. We had like three different Kim families. Okay. Haram was killed. She was killed at age 20. Her parents were testifying remotely from Korea. There are two. Both of them are pastors. So the court introduces Mr. Wakefield, Mr. Wakefield, Mr. Kim, I have no questions for you. Thank you for telling us about your daughter. Wait a minute. Did he ask any questions? No. Then um, why was he, what, 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 why did he say anything? Why was he even talking to that witness? Anybody know? To look polite. If you have, if you have no questions, then are you supposed to be talking to a witness? Uh, no. Okay, next. The yeah. court. The next attorney is Miss Buchanan for Ride the Ducks, Seattle. Miss Buchanan, thank you, Your Honor. Mr. Kim, I have no questions for you as well. Thank you for sharing with us today. The court. The next. Wait, wait, wait. Was her statement the same as Scott, Ride the Ducks International? Did they say the same thing? Pretty much. Thank you for sharing. Like, because this was a, like, this is kindergarten and it's show and tell. Okay, let's go. What's they the next? passed around a post-it note that said, okay, so let's stop asking questions and say this instead. Everybody okay. got one. So what's the next one? The court. The next attorney is Mr. Puz for the state of Washington. Mr. Puz, hello, sir. I also have no questions for you today. Thank you for your time. The court. The last person is Miss Lee on behalf of the city of Seattle. Miss Lee, good morning, sir. I just wanted to say thank you for sharing with us today. I have no questions. Okay. What did bad Karen do? <laughs> Miss Kohler, thank you. Thank you very much. Well, hold on, we need to explain why you were 
talking to them again. So you asked a few more questions. Karen did. Hmm. Well, the jury had some questions. The jury had some questions. And you had a follow-up. And then we're starting off with Karen's last comment before sitting down. Yeah, this is so, this is before the defense is going to go. Go ahead. Ms. Kohler, thank you. Thank you very much. I have no further questions. Your Honor, I would like to, I would ask if the defendants don't have... I can read it. Okay. Okay, I'll go. And I'll try to reflect the sass. That, that okay, Karen do the was sass. Applying. Do the sass. Karen was uh, getting ready to drop the mic right at the podium. She was up front right next to the judge. And she said, Your Honor, I would ask if the defendants don't have any questions that they just say so without making a ceremony out of it. <laughs> it was sassy. And it was it was sassy, and and the 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 judge everybody <laughs> cringed, and and the court. Let me introduce you to Mr. Wakefield, who represents Ride the Ducks International. Jessica, do you want to start off? There? Was he obedient? Of course not, Mr. Wakefield. I don't have any questions. I don't want to make a ceremony, but I would like to say thank you to Miss Kim. Whatever. The court. Mr. Wakefield is indicating he does not have any questions for you, and thank you. The witness. Thank you. The court. Miss Buchanan represents Ride the Duck Seattle. Miss Buchanan, thank you, Your Honor. Similarly, I have no questions, but out of a sign of respect, I want to say thank you. Thank you, Your Honor. <laughs> and I have to just, I, maybe I was imagining this, but it almost seemed like they were bowing towards the screen and saying thank you, thank you. They like were. That. It was so awkward because I'd just chastise them for doing it, and they, but they couldn't, they couldn't make that mental shift. <laughs> The court and Ms. Buchanan also indicated that she has no questions but wishes to thank you. This is Mr. Puzz who represents the state. Mr. Puzz, good afternoon. Thank you very much for sharing your thoughts today about your daughter. I have no questions. The court, thank you. And Ms. Lee represents the city of Seattle. Ms. Lee, do you want to say anything? Ms. Lee, your honor, the city has no questions and also would like to thank her for sharing with us today. The court. Miss Lee is also saying she has no questions for the city of Seattle, but wishes to thank you. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. We, um, you know, we uh, killed your daughter, basically. But thank you for coming and sharing with us. We appreciate you. I mean, do, can they not see the irony in that? They were doing it for more than them. It was just really taking me off. I was like, if you don't have a question, you just say you don't have any questions. You don't get to go and thank them. And by the way, I brought a motion so they couldn't say they were sorry because I knew that they all wanted to say they were sorry, but they should have done that three and a half years ago. Yeah. Well, on top of that, and our clients, in this case, the parents of somebody who died in the crash are having to be respectful and show appreciation in return, I think in part right. culturally, even yes. because they, you know they're in this very formal setting in court and they're not familiar. So they're forced to be respectful to these people who are thanking them. Good point. Well, and the, the story of this family too is that they tried to dismiss the wrongful death case and did dismiss the wrongful death case a long time ago based on the fact that the parents don't live here. Yeah, well, we all, we, we had that. We were accused of stoking racist allegations, uh, racism, uh, of stoking allegations of racism against Riot the Ducks by the fact that these people, who then had other counsel, um, uh, tried to bring uh, uh, claims and were prevented from doing certain based claims on, and were prevented from doing so because they did not live in the United States of America. Based on the law at the time, which has now changed. 
Thank you for changing the law. Oh, Washington State. Yeah. All right. So getting away from the transcripts, what is our takeaway from, I mean, we were pretty, I was very upset after this trial was over um, for a long time because of how, how wonderful our clients were one after the other, after the other, after the other to come and share their hearts. So many of these people had never even told the story uh, since it happened to anybody else that it was so painful to them. And they came and shared that story with all those total stranger jurors and the big court in this, in this room, the size of a small gymnasium, well, a big gymnasium. And, uh, they were, they were just, they were cross-examined so general in general, in general, so ineptly. It didn't meet the case. I mean, that's the absolute nicest thing I can say about it. It didn't. What should they have done, though? Like, I've been a defense lawyer, and I can I can, can somewhat sympathize with them. Like, okay, these people weren't at fault, so you can't blame them for doing anything wrong. But you want to, dis, you want to keep their damages down. You don't want to have the injuries be uh, all accepted. Um, and you certainly don't want to agree with that outrageous plaintiff counsel that the case is worth as much as she says it's worth. Mm -hmm. So you have to do something with those witnesses. What do you, what should you do? Focus more on the ones you absolutely need to, because when you continue to continually try to keep pull, pull the same tactics on multiple people in one case, it's obvious to the audience in this case, the jury, that that's just a tactic. Whereas in one case, there's one plaintiff or even two plaintiffs. You can say, look, this is not the case that warrants the, the newspaper, damages you can you know it it takes away the credibility if you're trying to do the same amish fill in the blank the same you know nonsense about your damages are really from this if you do that 12 times in one case then you lose all your credibility did any of their attacks on any of the individual plaintiffs ones that they really went after so for example the wisconsin people that they had surveillance go after and that they um you know wanted to show where their problems were pre either pre-existing or because they lived in Amish land. Did they, did any of those work? No. They not, I mean, I can't think of any of them that worked. No, none, not, not a one. Jessica, from your perspective as a paralegal, not a lawyer, just watching that day in day out, like, how did you feel about it? I mean, like, what did you feel like when it happened? You explained to us how upset you were with, for example, the Mazda situation. But just in general, like, what did you think when you were listening to it? It felt really gross. I guess that was my biggest takeaway is I just, it just felt gross. Yeah. Boy, this is a real downer. <laughs> this is a downer podcast. <laughs> How did it feel when the jury verdict came in and we handed the defendants that loss compared to how gross we felt when they were doing this kind of stuff? Did it make it sweet? It made it worth it. Yeah. Yeah. It made it worth it for the plaintiffs. I, I, you know, for coming all this way, traveling literally all of, from all over the world for this, and, and it absolutely it made it worth it for them, absolutely. And as soon as we heard the very first, keep in mind there's 41 or so verdicts. 
as soon as we heard the first one, I think we knew that the jury saw through it. I have to say that the one good thing is that these people came from places that did not have a jury system or court system. So when they were asked these bizarre questions, they really didn't have a point of reference. Like, I think they would have been more upset as was the one witness who was a lawyer who was being forced to say the word vagina in front of the jury who knew why they were doing it versus most of them didn't know if they could do it or shouldn't do it. They just thought, well, this is what happens in a, in a trial. So I don't think that they were really that traumatized by what the defense did, maybe puzzled, um, but not traumatized. I agree. That's kind of the, that's at least the silver lining of all of that. Um, so if you're a defense lawyer that just listened to this, we hope that you have been given some food for thought. We're not saying that you can't be mean and rude and ungracious to our clients because you can do whatever you want to do. But what we are saying is that when you ask them questions, we will mock you later on. (laughs) Is that what we're saying? (laughs) We will. We will read those transcripts Uh. and just go, what the heck was that all about? And... But really, at the end of the day, we, you know, this is not for our personal enjoyment or, you know, after the fact, sarcastic. Maybe a little bit. Entertainment. Yeah, maybe a little bit. But really, just to make the process better, think about your cross-examination of the plaintiff in particular. Why are you doing it? What do you hope to get out of it? Those are two questions that would be really good for you to think of before you ask about why they skated down a hill the day that the last photo of their mother being alive was taken. Yeah. The end. The end. <laughs>